The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. The purpose of I for an I, two for a tooth, is, is that you, you mete out punishment that meets the crime. You don't want punishment that's too lenient or too strict. So under the law of Moses, the understanding was, let there be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, not so. There's a higher standard of righteousness. And he said in verse 39, but I tell you not to resist evil person. Don't resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Well, the Lord is telling us the higher standard of righteousness is to get beyond retaliation, to get beyond feeling you want to get revenge with somebody, get beyond vendettas and retribution. He is saying, even if an evil person slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left cheek. Now, I want to keep it real. I want to keep it 100. I don't know anybody that can live under the standard of righteousness. Now, perhaps somebody, some people could. The closest I ever seen to this was with my pastor many years ago in Minneapolis. You know, our church always had a parking problem. And many of the saints coming to worship would park all over the place. And I'll never forget the, a next door neighbor to the church came over to the church and complained to the pastor about all the cars parked on his property. And the, the discussion, or I should say the conversation got heated. And this man, this sinful man, he grabbed my pastor by his tie and choked him. And my pastor did not respond. That's the closest I've seen to this. Maybe he didn't respond because all of us young ministers were there looking. Maybe he's trying to put on a good example for us. But he said, if an evil person slaps you on one side of your face, turn and give him the other side. What is he saying here? It's not about retaliation. It's not about getting even. It's not even about getting your justice, but rather it's giving justice. It's not receiving mercy, but rather giving mercy. Then he went on to say there was another high standard of righteousness that he he put forth in his sermon. He also said, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, in other words, take away your coat, he says, let them have your cloak also. In other words, if somebody want to sue you for your underwear, he says, let them have your outerwear as well. This is where we get the expression about suing your drawers off. He says, if somebody wants to sue your drawers off, give them your outer clothes as well. This is a high standard of righteousness. Then he also said in verse 41, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. In first century, a government official could actually commandeer you 
and say, carry my bags. They could commandeer your horse, your donkey, commandeer your boat. But Jesus said if, if an official compels you to carry his bags one mile, go ahead and volunteer and carry it two miles. What is the Lord teaching us? He's teaching us about love. He's teaching us about mercy. He's teaching us how to achieve perfection. Then he goes on to say in verse 42, and this is the one most of us have trouble with. He says, give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not, return, do not turn away. This is a difficult saying for most of us. Why? Let's keep it real now. Most of us recoil when somebody comes to us and they want something from us. They want to borrow something. They want us to give them something. You know, some folks, they ought to be named, give me, lend me, let me have. That's their conversation. Every time you see them, they want you to, to give them something, to lend them something, or let them have something. Huh? But he says, don't recoil when a person comes to you and asks you for something. Now, Jesus is presupposing that this person has a genuine need. And he says, the person who wants to borrow from you, don't turn that person away. But this is a difficult saying because you worked hard for your money, for your material possessions. You worked hard for whatever God has given you. And sometimes it's difficult for us to part with that which God has given us. Then we know some folk, even, in, even though they say, let me borrow, you'll never see it again. Some folks have lost the victory. Relationships have been destroyed because you loaned somebody money. And that money was near and dear to your heart. Why? You valued that money. You worked hard for that money. This was your material. This was your, your earthly material. This was your possession. This was your money. And how's it that somebody wants to take what you have rightfully earned or God has rightfully given it to you? But he said, just give it to him. Just make the loan. But I say to you, don't loan anybody something that you think if they don't pay it back, you're going to be bent out of shape. You're going to lose the victory. It's better just to give them what you can. Did you hear what I said? It's better just to give them what you can and let them know I'm not there yet. I value our friendship too much. And I don't want to lose the victory. I don't want to lose out with God. I don't want to lose out with you. So here's what I can give you. And when you give it to him, there's no expectation of repaying it. Then he begins to shift gears here. Now, so far, he's given us some very high standards of righteousness. Very high. Most of these standards, most people can't even walk in. But he told his disciples and he told the crowd there on the mount that day. He said, accept your righteousness. Exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is teaching us that if we're going to be on the path to perfection, our righteousness has to be higher than religious people. It must succeed. 
the religious people. It must reflect that the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Then he goes on to sermon, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, this must have offended a lot of Jews in his day when he taught that. Remember, they were looking for a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah who would take up arms and fight against Roman oppression. They wanted a Messiah that would deliver them from Rome. And how can you deliver us from Rome if you're telling us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, and those that hate us, to pray for them, those that spitefully use us and persecute them, you say pray for them? We say we want to destroy Rome. So they had to be highly offended. But he says to us, the greatest weapon that you ever use against your enemy is not a carnal weapon, but it's love. It's love. And why would he say that? Well, verse 45 says that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. Please notice, he didn't say so you can become a son of God. He says that you might show your son of God. We don't do these things and try to live up to these standards of righteousness just to say we have become a son of God. We do these things to show that we are a son of God. That you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is an impartial God. And we can allow to be partial toward those that hate us. We can't be partial to those who spitefully use us and persecute us. We got to be like God. Remember before you came to God, God was still good to you. It was the goodness of God that worked repentance in your life. And we got to be just like God. We cannot afford to be a, a partial people. Showing partiality. Showing favors to the ones who like us. And being unfavorable to the ones that don't like us. God says, not so. God says, I have mercy on the just and the unjust. For example, when it rains, I send the rain on the just and the unjust as well. And we as the people of God, we got to love those that love us and love those that don't love us. That's being like God. Then he said in verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? You ain't done a thing. If you love everybody that loves you, you want to speak to everybody that speak well of you, you haven't done nothing. Hear me, beloved. He says, what reward do you, do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same thing. Remember, tax collectors were considered sinners. They were very despised. He says, even tax collectors they love those who love them. And if you do the same thing as a tax collector, what reward do you have? Then he goes on to say, if you, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Even their tax collectors do the same thing. Some folk get mad because somebody didn't speak to them. 
You should speak to everybody who make con eye contact with you. That's my rule of thumb. If you make eye contact with me, I'll speak to you. But if you don't want to look me in the eye, then I keep, on, I keep it going. Just keep it moving. But if you only want to speak to those that speak to you, you're no better than a tax collector, a, a despised sinful person, the Lord says. He's given us a higher standard of righteousness. Now he says in verse 48, this, is, this has been our foundation scripture. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Now you're starting to see the picture. This was getting on the path of perfection. Not retaliation, not revenge, not refusing to give, not hatred, not praying for those who hurt you. When you do these things, when you engage in retaliation, when you engage in revenge, when you refuse to give to the person that's really in need. And we live in a day and a time where there's so many beggars out on the street corners, we don't know who to give to. And so many of us just don't give to nobody. Isn't it better to give to 10 fraudulent beggars than the miss out given to that one beggar who had a genuine need. Now we'll begin to think like that when we, when we believe that God is our source. Now I know I'm telling the truth. You gotta be willing to give because that's God given to them. He's giving through you. He's using you. Then you gotta pray for those who hurt you. If you don't do these things, beloved, it cause you to stall on the path of perfection. You just run out of gas. You just stall and come to a stop. You won't be growing in maturity. You won't be growing in your faith. Now, the truth be told, humanly speaking, the behavior that the Lord is calling for in the Sermon on the Mount is impossible. It's impossible without the help of the Holy Ghost and without the strength of God's love operating in us. It's impossible otherwise. Somebody had said that it's impossible to live the Christian life. That is true. This is why the Lord lives it through us. This is why he gives us his love and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The point Jesus is making here, he made it in the 20th verse. He is simply telling us on the path of perfection, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's got to exceed that crowd who believes eye for an eye, two for two. It's got to exceed that crowd who believes if an evil person slaps you on one side of your face, you ought to take up arms to destroy them. He said our righteousness must exceed that. And that puts us on the path of perfection. Now, what I like about this is that love shows the way. Glory to God. Love shows the way to those who aspire to be like God, who aspire to be imitators of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. The apostle Paul said to the Ephesians, Therefore be ye imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved you. And given himself as, a, as an offering 
as a sacrifice unto God as a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. You got to imitate God. If God is not partial to others who curse him, who hate him, then we cannot be partial toward them as well. We must be imitators of God and walk in love the same way Christ has loved us. He loved us enough to offer himself on the cross to give his life for us as an offering and a sacrifice for us unto God as a sweet-smelling Savior, sweet-smelling aroma. We must walk in love. Love shows us the way. Stay on the path of perfection. We got to forget about our failures. We've had failures. I know I have. I haven't always been willing to turn the other cheek. In fact, I don't remember turning it once. I know what the Bible says. Turn the other cheek. I'm not there. So don't try me. I'm just keeping it real. I'm not there. And the truth is, you never know what you're going to do until you get in a situation. You might say, well, I would turn the other cheek. How do you know if you haven't been in a situation? And even though I'm saying, I won't turn the other cheek, you'll never know, and I'll never know until I get in that situation. Maybe I will turn the other cheek. Maybe I'll allow the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to control me in that situation. But I'll never do it in my earthly nature. Never do it. And that's a failure. But we've got to forget about our failures. We've got to forget about our missteps, our mistakes, our shortcomings. And we've got to keep pressing on. We've got to continue to make that a goal to be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Don't give up. Stay on the path of perfection. Paul never gave up. Paul said to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself as, as one who's apprehended. In other words, I don't count myself to have reached perfection. But Paul went on to say, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing forward to those things that are ahead of me, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize, for the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. We got to continue to stay on the path of perfection and keep pressing on, keep pressing for the mark of that higher call, which is perfection. Perfection in God. But you never, you never press on. If you're always looking in the rearview mirror, saying, I failed God in this way. I tripped, I misstepped in this way. I fell short. But you got to keep pressing on because love shows the way. Now, in closing, let me say this everything in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached leads up to the climatical conclusion these things I'm teaching you so that you might be perfect 
even as your Father in heaven is perfect, that you might get on the road of perfection and continue on that road. Glory to God. See, on the path of perfection, we got to aspire to maturity. Maturity. And that's what perfection is. But we need to understand God meets us where we are. You don't expect a baby to have the same behavior as an adult. You see, a baby will have different behavior than a child. And a child will have different behavior than an adolescent. And an adolescent will have different behavior than an adult. But whatever level you're on in your spiritual walk, God will meet you there on the path of perfection. So you got to continue to aspire for maturity. And we must love those that hate us, pray for those who persecute us, and show kindness to both friend and foe. And how do we do that? We do that by imitating God's love. So WWJD, what would Jesus do? Somebody smack you on the face, what would Jesus do? But most times we don't even we don't even stop long enough to consider that because out of that old nature we react. Huh? People start taking the earrings off, putting the Vaseline on. Huh? Some would just take the wig off and say, who you think you talking to? Huh? That doesn't mean they're not saved. And how many Christians have said, you know, I had to lay my salvation down. You better be careful about laying that salvation down because if you go back, you might not be able to pick it up. But God meets us where we are. And I know that many of these higher standards of righteousness I have yet to achieve. But that's no excuse not to stay on the path of perfection. That's no excuse not to continue to aspire to God's level of love, his kind of love, not to aspire to maturity. Maturity is a process. It's a process of growth. We ought to be committed to growing in God and staying on the path until we're just like Jesus. We're just like Jesus. And thank God, love shows us the way. This is what Jesus was saying. Everything Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount pointed to us loving others the way God loves us. And in doing so, we will achieve that perfection. Be ye perfect. Therefore, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, let us pray. Father, thank you for the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Father, teach us to yield to that love, to appeal to that love, to appeal to the strength of your Holy Spirit that we might live out all these higher standards of righteousness. God, keep us on the path. Keep us on the path to maturity. Keep us growing, maturing. Help us to continue to press for the mark, that mark 
that higher calling which is in Christ Jesus. Help us not to be satisfied just to be religious. But help us, Lord, to be better than the religious. So you said our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. To whom much is given, much is required. So Lord, help us to grow that more can be required of us. In Jesus' name. Teach us, Father, to to pray for those, love those that hate us, pray for those that spitefully use us and persecute us. Help us to show kindness to not just our friends, but even our enemies. Help us to imitate your love in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Beloved, stay on the path. Stay on the path of perfection. And whatever you do, don't let nobody or nothing turn you around. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. Now, if you haven't made your peace with God, it's time to get on the path. Yes, it's time to get on the path. And you can get on the path by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. He's already paid the price for you. There's nothing for you to pay now. It's up to you to accept what has been paid. Jesus died for you. He died not only for you, but he died for the sins of the whole world. He was an atoning sacrifice. He's made an atonement for your sins. Will you accept him? Will you ask God to come into your life through the person of his son, Jesus Christ? If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. How will you know you're really saved? Well, with the heart you believe unto righteousness and with your mouth you confess your salvation. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That includes you. Then trust God not only to save you. This same God who saves you will also heal your body. He'll also bring peace to your mind. He'll also mend your broken emotions. For he himself bore your sins on the tree. That you being dead to sin might live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. You are healed. So not only the Lord save us. Yes, he saves. But he also heals and he'll deliver us. He'll set us free. Today is your day. Now is your time for salvation, healing, and deliverance. Salvation, healing, and deliverance. It's yours for the asking, beloved. It's yours because you believe it in your heart. So go ahead, make those decisions, and give God the glory. And remember this. Stay on the path of perfection. Stay on the path. And whatever you do, walk in love. Be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. Walk in love. And have faith in God. God bless you.
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.